Good evening, my fellow Americans, white, black, and brown, and the black Americans who are the true biblical Israelites of the Bible. I have made a petition to the White House to repatriate back the black Americans or the Israelites to our homeland, Israel. Now, petition, it is inherent on us to be under our own leadership as well. So not just to go back to Israel, we can jump on a plane right now and go to Israel and apply for citizenship, right? But this is for us to be under our own rulership. And I am making this decision based on this scripture, Isaiah 14 and two. The nations will escort Israel and bring it back to its homeland. Then the house of Israel will possess the nations as men servants and maid servants in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. Please go to the link. I will have the link listed below for you to sign the White House petition to repatriate back the black Americans who are the true biblical Israelites back to our homeland Israel under our rulership. Now, the way these petitions work is that you have to get over a hundred thousand signatures within 30 days. Now I'm hoping that I can get 144,000. Then I looked and saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. It's some kind of coincidence that you happen to need a hundred thousand and you can be a part of the 144,000. God, I'm going somewhere right now with this. And the nation shall escort Israel and bring it to its home land. When I was in politics, we would name all the issues facing black America. We would list them and then we would try to come up with political legislative solutions. So we would name things like our poor educational institutions. We would name the crime that are that's uh, currently a plague in our street, whether black on black crime, whether police on black crime. Come on, somebody. We would name the dilapidated housing and the conditions of our communities. Y'all see the, the, the horrible conditions, the rat infested that you saw in Baltimore. And it just looks like third world countries in some of our areas. We would name the sentencing disparities in the criminal justice system. We would name housing discrimination and loan and banking discrimination, the disproportionate ownership of land uh, difference between whites and blacks. I'm going somewhere with this. And the same goes with business ownerships and the ownership of manufacturing goods and service, which mostly all whites own, including food production, which mostly is owned by the white Americans here in America. I want y'all to hear this because I just listed a bunch of different grievances that black Americans have with America. What are the solutions? When I was a Democrat, we said the solutions was to have the government fix our problems. So have the solutions was for the government to create programs. Oh God, programs for the disparities in between the income and the, um, um, inequality programs for the home ownership inequalities programs for the education disparities and the truth of the matter is 
after careful research, after being in politics for many, many years and graduating uh, from school with a political science degree, I have to tell y'all this, and this is probably going to hurt many black Democrats' feelings, they already have these programs, many of them. The thing is, the programs don't work. Matter of fact, I would go as far as saying many of these programs have become crutches to us and honestly have become made our communities worse off than better off. So our problems are not fixed by big government or government solutions. So then I became a Republican and my values changed. And I thought, you know what? So what we need now is we need to take the government out of our communities. Come on, somebody. And, and then we would uplift ourselves and we would... uh uh. <laughs> We would change the condition of our own communities. And come on, somebody. So without the influence of the government, yet then I learned that there is an element of America that is prejudice. There is an element of America that is racist. And some of these people that are racist are in you know, uh, positions where they create laws. Some of these people that are racist are in positions where they are enforcing laws. Some of them are in banking. Some of them are in business. Some of them are in making decisions in the highest offices in the country. And then after continually reading from the Democrat Party to the Republican Party and continually studying history and current day events, I realized that there is a plot against black Americans to keep us in the conditions that we are in, whether you believe it or not. Psalms 83, three through five. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against the hidden ones. You are the hidden ones because you don't know who you are. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel will be no longer in remembrance for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. You won't hear your pastor read that. There is a hidden agenda for those at the top against us. And it is mainly to cut us off from being a nation that the name of Israel shall no longer be in remembrance. How can those who claim to be us, who claim to be the true Israelites, how can they be them when they know the name Israel? And mostly, if you go speak to any black person all over the whole world, scattered um, descendants of slave ships, especially those even in America, and ask them about Israel, or are they from Israel? They know nothing about being from Israel. So the name is no longer in remembrance to us. These prophecies only fit us. And if the more you read them, you will learn about that. They have taken crafty, counsel against us. Even the president has said on several times and several occasions that he cannot understand how the blacks in America are still in these conditions after all these years. So Trump, to his credit, and many of y'all ain't gonna like that, tried to advocate and pass some legislation uh, that he championed for black America. For example, his criminal justice reform bill, the First Step Act. And he signed the bill, placed it into law, and somehow, even after he signed it, you are still thrown in jail and sentenced five times more for committing the same crime as whites. Why is that? He signed another bill, the Urban Revitalization Act. This wasn't a bill. It was an executive order that he signed, but it's just like a bill. And it was supposed to give tax breaks and incentives to businesses and to other companies and manufacturing and warehouses to basically give them free money to relocate 
to these minority communities so that we could give black people jobs. And the funny thing is businesses love free money, right? Look at uh, Amazon Jeff Bezos, how he pays no taxes, right? So they love free money. They'll do anything to save a dime. Yet a handful of businesses moved, right? But for the most part, most of them stayed where they were and didn't even blink at this opportunity. Why is that? It's because as the Bible said, they are confederate against us. I'm going somewhere with this, but I hope y'all hear me. So meaning that they are in agreement or in alignment, they have a covenant to keep you in the same conditions that you are in. Somebody has to be the poor class. Somebody has to be the middle class and somebody has to be the upper class. Come on, somebody. White House petition to repatriate black Americans, the Israelites, back to our homeland, Israel, under our leadership. Every problem facing black America can be fixed all by us going back to our homeland, Israel, all by us having a place of our own. Now, listen real quick. Well, Leo, what do we do with the people that are there already? I'm glad you asked. It is approximately 8 million people that live in Israel right now, and they call themselves Jewish, Jew ish meaning like the jews meaning if i call myself black ish that means i was kind of black or i'm like being black they call themselves jewish they call themselves israeli i never called myself israeli i never called myself jewish so i never said i was israeli like i'm like israel i never said i was jewish like i'm like the jews but not the jews this is who they call themselves they named themselves this we didn't name them that they did so it's obvious the proof is in the pudding but it's eight million of them that live in america i mean i'm sorry it's eight million of them who live in Israel. We can repatriate them all here to America. America has the money, the influence, and the power to do that, and then they can put the actual true biblical Jews back in our homeland. Now, all of the issues facing black America today can be solved by us leaving America. So let me start with some of the ones that I listed already. Police discrimination. I hope by now, whether you're white or black, there is no argument over the difference of interactions that we have between black and white with the police. So in order for us to solve that issue, that's an issue and it's just going to keep growing. In order for us to solve that problem, guess what? We have a country of our own. We are the police. We would be the police. We would be the law enforcement officers, the FBI, the CIA. I can't discriminate against myself. So if you let me go back, if you help us repatriate back to our own homeland, in our homeland, guess what? We will be our own police. That, that problem is ended overnight. Correct? Correct. Real quick before I go into uh, some of the other issues, if you can please go and click on the link and sign the petition. The next issue that I, I listed was uh, our poorly ran educational institutions or our poor educational curriculum that we have for our children in general. Now, when you look at, please, some of you guys just uh, go look at this. You can look at the black sections of your cities and towns and states versus the suburbs or the white sections of your cities and towns and states. And you can just see the outside of the school. You don't even need to go in to see the difference, right? But, but, and then if you go look at the numbers of who is, um, you know, graduation rates, literacy rates and things versus the suburban school versus your, the schools in your urban neighborhoods, you will see the disparity. So I'm not just making this up. 
Do you know how many black realtors and credit repair people I follow? How many black politicians and political activists and business owners that I follow? And the truth of the matter is that these people can treat, uh, can teach our children and our people a lot better than the current system that they have in place. And many of the reasons why we can't teach our children and can't have our own schools where we teach our children is because the United States government has educational uh, requirements in place, for example, standardized testing, where they create uh, a test to tell you what's important to teach to our children. For example, teaching our children the first five presidents of the United States. Why should any black person really living on earth need to know who the first five presidents of the United States was? They were all slave owners. They were all racist. <laughs> Why do we need to know that? Right. What? How could this benefit me in life in any way? But these are the type of questions and answers that are on our tests that our children fail and that our children are never properly educated and never properly prepared to face the societies that they are up against. And that is just a few. That is me touching on the very minor scale of what we would need to do. But if we had our own country, we would teach our kids business ownership. We would teach our kids financial literacy. We would teach our kids politics. We would teach, come on somebody, we would teach our kids about ownership. Y'all don't hear me. We would teach our kids most importantly about their true history. Uh, we would teach them about their heroism and their victories. You think that China or Russia or <laughs> teaches their kids this BS? Right. They, they, their kids will never learn who the five stupid presidents of the United States were. the first five presidents of the, of the United States. That's insane. Right. But you even to think that your kids should even know something like that. You're insane. Right. Uh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching right now. No, they teach their children stories of heroes, heroism that they achieved. And they teach their uh, children stories of victories of the wars that they won and not of their defeats. They teach our children of their defeats, slavery, Jim Crow, come on somebody, cash crop system, colonization. They teach our children of their defeats, not of their victories. They don't even tell us that we rule Europe during the dark ages. They don't even come on somebody. They don't even tell us that we once that we conquered Rome in the end. Ha! Ah, they don't tell us that how we conquered Italy before and tell us about uh, uh, what, what was his name? Uh, Hannibal. Come on, somebody. How we took elephants over there to the Sicilian shores. They don't tell us of our victories. They only tell us of our defeats. And I'm telling y'all that if we had our own homeland, that if we controlled our own educational curriculum in our country, our lives and our people would be better off in the whole world. Would be better off. I'm going somewhere with this tonight. Obviously, the crime in our streets would stop overnight if we had our own country and our own homeland because we would tackle our poverty situations head on ourselves. The dilapidated housing and the conditions of our communities looking like third world countries would be overall. Uh, we would change overnight because we would be in charge of the cities in our own communities, the sentencing disparities in the criminal justice system, housing discrimination, loan and banking discrimination would be over. And we would never experience anything like that ever again because we would be in charge of those systems ourselves. Deuteronomy 28, 48. Therefore shalt thou serve thy enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. 
and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he has destroyed thee. Another translation says it this way. Therefore, in hunger and in thirst, in nakedness and in dire in nakedness, I always say that, and in dire poverty, you will serve, listen, as I say it this way, you will be employees to the Americans that the Lord will send against you. He will put an, a yoke of iron on your neck until you are destroyed. Now, is that not an actual factual statement for black America? Absolutely it is. White House petition to repatriate the black Americans, the Israelites, back to our homeland Israel under our leadership. Please go sign the petition um, to get this in front of the president's face, uh, to get this in front of um, on his desk so that he can see it and so that the rest of the world can see it. Currently, if black people worldwide want something to eat, they have to go to their enemies or to the Americans or to the Britons or to the French or to the Chinese. We can't create it ourselves. Even in Africa, believe it or not, many of these countries that even grow their own, can't even grow their own food. They have to buy the food or grow it and then sell it and then buy it back. I'm preaching, but y'all don't even know this. The rubber trees, they don't even own the rubber trees, even though Mitchell and Ness and all the people that you see over here in a GM who sell tires, get their tires and their rubber from Africa, but Africa don't even own the trees. How you don't own the trees in your own land? A lot of y'all don't know about this crafty councilness, so I'm just bringing some of it out to prove to you that these scriptures are talking about us and pertaining to us. I believe that it is one of the most important scriptures because it clearly identifies us as being the Israelites. This, um, they will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever. That's Deuteronomy 28, uh, 48. And that what that says is the curses will be a sign and a wonder on you and your descendants forever. Well, we're the only ones who have these curses. So these curses are a sign that we are the true biblical Israelites. It's really that simple and that easy. Back when I was growing up, black people used to say things, and something you hear some people say this still today, but they will call poverty a generational curse. Well, that's what God says that he put us under. That's what God says we are living under. And he said that, and these curses shall be a sign on your descendants and you forever. So these curses are a sign that you are God's chosen people. No one else, period, on the face of the planet right now can say that they have to go to their enemies for food, for water, or for clothing. The Chinese do not have to go to anyone for food, for clothing, or for water. The Russians, the Australians, the Britons, the French, the German, the Americans do not have to go to anybody for food, for water or for clothing. Clothing meaning the manufacturing of clothing. Food meaning the production of food. Water meaning water rights. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Y'all don't want to get into that with me. But you are the only people scattered throughout all nations on slave ships through the transatlantic slave trade that have to serve or be employees to your enemies, to the same people that enslaved you for food, for water and for clothing. Come on, somebody. So lastly, the most disappointing part about me putting forth this petition is that so far I have gotten a little pushback. And the pushback hasn't been from white Americans. Some of the white Americans are saying, yeah, I, I, I agree with it. Bring them here, you go there, right? That would end all problems for everybody and the world would be at peace as the Bible says it would be, right? 
But many of those who are Israelites, and when I say Israelites, I mean those black Americans who are aware of our identity, believe it or not, they have given me some pushback on this. It kind of reminds me of when I was in politics and I used to give black people all the, I used to say the same thing in politics. I used to say all these, I name all these different reasons why we should leave America. And then they would say, oh, no, nah. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. I don't want to leave America. But God says we're leaving America all throughout the Bible. If we are who the book says we are, then we're leaving. And we're like we're leaving America. You're not staying. You're leaving. Right. But it reminds me of when I was in politics. We used to have a saying that we said, all talk and no action, all bark and no bike. See, I'm seeing that for a lot of people, this is just a boys and girls club. I visited an Israelite church over the weekend and I really honestly had a good time. But I noticed for most of the people there, it's just a boys and girls club. It's just a place to gather with a bunch of like-minded individuals. It's just like a club, just any other club, the Freemasonry and Greek fraternities. It's just a club for many of them. It's not real. It's not true. It's not honest. It's not really that we're leaving. It's just a club. Somebody said to me, uh, Leo, we need to wait on the Lord. That's one of the things that people are, are saying. We have to wait on the Lord. Listen to this real quick. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Another translation reads it this way. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. So the whole world is waiting on you, sons and daughters of God. The whole world is waiting for you to be revealed. God, I'm preaching right now. And we are making excuses. We, uh, we, we want to say, I want to wait on God. But if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, what can stand against us? If we are God's chosen elect, then why aren't we moving? Shall we stay stagnant? Be honest. The truth is that we are scared. Scared of the things that I mentioned already. Scared to lose our job. Scared to be in poverty. Scared of being killed. Scared of the tribulations and the pain and the agony that Esau or that the Gentiles can put on you by you stepping in to the fullness of who God really called you to be. And that's God's son here on earth. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Sons and daughters here on earth. Many of us are scared. That's the honest truth. We're scared. And one of the other things that I see that we're scared of is being separated from Christ. We're scared that if we follow a certain leader or follow a certain ideology or we try to make a move ourselves, that that is somehow going to separate us from God's love. Who I'm preaching right now. So once we learn who we are, we would rather just preach on the street corners or preach in our church or preach online because that's just waiting on the Lord. It's doing nothing. It has no action. But the truth be told is that we're really afraid to make an action, afraid to make a move because we're afraid that if we make a move, that move can separate us from God. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So you sit idly by year after year yelling, bring it out. When really internally we're depressed. And I have to say to you, brothers and sisters, that we are not waiting on God. 
nor are we even waiting on the world, nor are we even waiting on the nations, but that the whole world is actually waiting on us. Romans 8, 9, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 19 through 37. I'm going to read a different translation than the KJV, but you're welcome to read the KJV. I have compared them both side by side to ensure equal wording. Listen to this. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. That is so good. The whole world wants to be brought from its bondage and decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. That's okay. We know the whole creation has been groaning as is as in the pains of childbirth right up to this pre present time. So we know that the whole creation is groaning like childbirth right up to this present time. That's facts, right? Look at what we're living under. <laughs> Quarantines, semi-quarantines, famines here, semi-famines here, earthquakes here, semi-earthquakes here, so much uncertainty. See, a childbirth, and childbirth is uncertain because you don't know when the baby going to come out. So it's push, uh, push, uh, push, uh, push. So it's so uncertainty because you're on the edge. We're all living in that uncertainty right now. So the whole creation is groaning uh, in this present time. Check this out, 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship. Ooh, the redemption of our bodies. That's I can get in deep to that. I can get in deep to that, but I ain't going to go into that right now. For in this hope we were saved. Who need to be saved? But hope that is hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hope for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. Who need to hope? Who need to be saved? Who need to hope into something they don't already have? Do the Americans not already have what they need? You know, I, I, I once talked to y'all about, about how the white pastors, how they um, <laughs> how they describe heaven. And they say, oh, it ain't no crime in the streets. And we all got a big house with a pool. And they, 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 they just go on and on about these things. You're like, well, don't, don't that sound like the stuff y'all got right now, <laughs> right? They say, oh, you can eat a hamburger off the side of the street. You can eat a hamburger off the side of the street in their community. You go look at some of the, the crime rates in their community. Ain't no crime to say they're going to try, dry every tear from your eye. Ain't no crime in their community. Ain't no tear in their eye. Right now, they need eternal life. They, they, they don't have that. But as far as the things that they uh, list that they want in heaven and everybody got a mansion and everybody got a big house and everybody got. They already have that. And so who needs to hope for something to be saved, to have something that they don't have? Well, it can only be the people under the curses. It can only be people in poverty. It can only be people who have crime. It can only be people who live in dilapidated houses on average. It can only be people that are employees and not employers on average. You, white people are employers. The Gentiles are rich, as Roman says. Right? So we, these people, this is talking about us. We are the people that are patiently waiting to be um, and hoping for something that we don't see yet. Let me continue. 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit. 
So I'm, I just created a petition, a White House petition, to repatriate black Americans, the true Israelites, back to our homeland, Israel. Under our, our, our leadership, under our rulership, he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit. So God knows my heart and my mind and what my intentions are. It's only for goodness. It's only for peace. It's only for grace. It's only for it's only to be delivered. It's only for fairness and equality over the whole world. Y'all got y'all country. Why we can't have our y'all have y'all big houses and ownership and land of water rights and all things. Why we can't have ownership and land and watership and water rights and ownership of all things. It's only righteousness. He who searches the heart. He who searches the mind. So he knows my heart. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't hear me. Listen to this. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. So wait a minute, Israelites. Who are the called according to his purpose? Who are the called? That's us. So if all things work, meaning things you do, work together for the good of those who are called, then what the hell are we doing sitting around? And you telling me to wait? There's not even a... <laughs> I don't even feel like getting into it. But in almost every instance in the Bible... Whether that's Old Testament or Apocrypha, when our people were about to do something, yes, they uh, God, God divinely moved, but they were all prepared to move on him. When we was even uh, when we took Jericho, we waited on the Lord, right? The walls fell, but then we had to work. We had to walk. Look, we had to work before the walls fell. We had to walk around the walls. We had to prepare uh, every single thing. We had to do something. You sitting around preaching online, preaching to the, our people on the corners, which is great, which is amazing because we have to wake them up. But we also have to have some action. We also have to have some action. And this is why I see why we are not able to reach the masses of our people is because mostly they're looking at us and saying, we just got our hands folded doing nothing. It's a boys and girls club for you. You and your little girlfriends who are all friends and all wrap your hair, y'all can talk and talk bad about those women who are not modest. You and your little boyfriends who know your little scriptures can talk bad about the black people who don't scriptures. But what about solutions to fix the issues in our community? The Bible has the solutions. We should only be trying to apply the solutions. God, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. Whew, but y'all do not hear me. Let me continue in 28. And we know that in all things, God works together. I mean, I mean I'm sorry. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his I can't get off that. Right? I mean, that, that seemed plain as day to me. So let me continue. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his son that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called those he called. He also justified those he justified. He also glorified. Let's continue. Listen to this. What then shall we say in response to these things? Listen to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? So brothers and sisters, I understand. We're scared. We're afraid. You don't want to lose your job. You don't want them to put us in jail. You don't want them to attack us, to fight us. Judas Maccabees was willing to die. See, this is why God waited to call me. I'm willing to die for this. You better understand that. Look me in my face. I'm willing to die for what I believe. This is why I left politics as I said to myself, I could tell y'all the story, but I said to my, but I don't feel like getting into it, but I give you a little bit of it. I said to myself, what are you willing to die for? And I was willing to die for it. I've always been willing to die for whatever I believed. 
But I said to myself, if I die today, I want to make sure that I die for God. Right. And so in politics, I was trying to teeter both lines. Oh, yeah, I'm from God. Yeah, I'm a I'm a conservative. And we try to put God in the schools. And this, I'm trying to make it seem like I'm for God. But no, I was really for the state, really for the man, really for Republicanism in politics, not really for God. I was willing to die for that. So you think I'm not willing to die for this? Kick open the doors, do whatever you need to do. We're going to shoot it out. We willing to die for this. So my reason why I'm saying that to you is because I, when I read this line, if God be for us, then who can be against us? That tells me that my God is great enough to be for me. That means that nothing can stand against me. I'm the call. We the call. So what are we afraid of? Why are we afraid to move? <laughs> they don't even want to sign the petition. The petition. They want to just be in a boys club. In a, in, in a Greek fraternity. But they're not truly willing to move on this. It's just like the ADOS, it's the same thing. It's just like the black Democrats, the same thing. Just like the black conservatives, the same thing. None of them are really willing to move on this. It's just talk. All talk, no action. That used to be one of Trump lines. All talk, no action. The black Democrats are all talk, no action. The black Republicans are all talk, no action. The current black Israelite movement, as it has been stated, has been all talk and no action. It's facts. It's facts. But I'm telling y'all, brothers and sisters, that God is telling us that he is for us. So nothing. Listen to this. 32. Let me continue. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also along with him graciously give up, give us all things? So he said that God will give us all things he gave his son for us. Right. Who will bring any charge? Listen, against those who. God has chosen. Care about your criminal justice system? You census us five times more than the others? You can't bring no charge against me. We God's chosen. Oh, y'all don't hear this. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, uh, who died more than that, who raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Shall anything separate us from the love of Christ? That's why I was trying to show y'all. So we're afraid. I get it. I, trust me, I get it. <laughs> Leo, easy for you to just say you were in the army. You know, I get it. To get shot at, to be killed, for them to uh, discriminate against us, and now they you know you change your name to Israel, and now they won't give you a job, or they, uh, you know, they they uh, they put a um, a hold on your banking transactions. Now you in poverty. Now you uh, now you can be killed. Now you now you hungry. Now you in nakedness. You don't have nothing, right? But God is saying that even when they do all those things. Shall trouble or hardship share any of those things separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? We're going to have eternal life no matter what. This life is only but a blink. Listen what it says, 36. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep among the slaughter. I mean, sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. We more than conquerors. Somebody wrote on a, a comment. A, a Gentile man wrote on a comment. So Leo, what, what country do you want to conquer in Africa? 
I wrote back, Israel, we are more than conquerors. Come on, somebody. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Lord. Please sign the White House petition to repatriate, to repatriate black Americans, the Israelites, back to our homeland Israel under our leadership. The link will be provided, obviously, like I said, in the video and below in the comment section. As mentioned, we need 100,000 signatures in order to have the White House take up our petition. I hope that you could also share this. Please share the petition on your social media networks, whether that be your Twitter, your LinkedIn, whatever it is you got, so that it can garner more attention. And this is the last thing that I will say before we pray. If this petition makes it to the president's desk, that means it also makes it to the desk of the prime minister of France's desk, the prime minister of Germany's desk. That means that it has the attention of the whole world. And it goes back to my Isaiah 14, 2 scripture where the nations will escort Israel and bring it to its homeland. The nations are going to take us to our homeland. You best to believe it. You best to believe it. God's word has stead and stand and has been true and righteous and has always came true for uh, uh, since the past uh, prophecies. And you best believe it will also come true for our future prophecies. God, I thank you guys for listening. Uh, let us pray. God, we love you. Lord, we honor you. We pray that every move we make is a move ordained and acceptable by you. In your word, you said all things work together. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to your purpose and who love you. I love you. We love you. I know that to be true. I know all things work together for the good of those who love you because... In my own life, whether I've had success or failure in anything that I've tried to do, whether I've had success or failure, it has always, always worked out for my good. So I know for a fact that that scripture rings so true. We love you. We thank you for being selected as your chosen people. You could have chosen anyone, but you chose us. We recognize that we are not even worthy to be called your elect. Lord, we're not worthy. We recognize that we are not even worth being called sons and daughters of the most high God. Of the most high God. But we sincerely thank you for your grace. And we ask that you continue to refine us and to mold us so that we come out as pure gold to be deserving of your kingdom. Pray that you that you bless that you continue to bless our endeavors. In Jesus' name, we pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. 
God says, observe, therefore, all the commands I am giving you today so that you may have what? So that you may have strength. Observe, therefore, all the commands that I am giving you today so that you may have strength. So a giant, huh? giant, you must remember that your strength comes from the Lord. Uh, no man shall stand before you all the days of your life, but you must know where your power comes from. Your power is not in your hair. Your power is not in man. Your power is not in your followers. Your power is not in your likes. Ah, I'm preaching. Your power is not in your views, but your power comes from your obedience to God. I'm preaching right now.